If it is your tradition to stand for the gospel, you may. If not, you may remain seated. The, the gospel reading for this morning is found in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26. Hear these words. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? For what will they give in return for their life? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Kevin sent me an email saying, can you fill the pulpit on the 25th and the 2nd, I had to think about it for a second because I'd been out of it for a while. And I said, sure. He says, we're doing bumper sticker theology. I went, oh, good. <laughs> and he says, the two that we have scheduled for you, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save next week's for next week. He says, but the first one is God is my co-pilot. Oh, yuck. I have actually read this. Has, is, is there anyone who hasn't seen this on a bumper? I think we've all pretty well seen it. We've heard the phrase. Now, with this kind of a, of a message, I have to, I'm not going to stand up here and proclaim the word from on high because I'm not on high. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what you should think because I may not be the youngest person person in the room, but I, I sure got a lot of people in here beat, that beat me, and trying for, for me to tell you who have been hearing the Bible for 70, 80, or more years is rather precocious on my part, don't you think? And I, do you really think that I'm going to say anything that you haven't heard before? Or do we just work off the assumption that I'm going to remind you of something that you have known but maybe have set aside? That's my goal. To remind you of something that you know but you may have set aside. Now, we all have our own little idiosyncrasies that we do. Every pastor has its own way of doing things. Reminds me of the story of the little boy who listens to his pastor one Sunday morning and the pastor says, you should invite your neighbor to come to church. And if they don't know what it means, then you can explain it to them. And the little boy goes home and went, mommy, I'm going to invite Joey. 
And the mother says, I don't think Joey goes to church. He may not want to. Well, I'm going to invite him anyway. The pastor told me I'm supposed to. So he invites Joey. And Joey says, sure. He was especially impressed when he heard that there would be donuts and juice afterwards. But they show up together. And they sit right in the middle, kind of surrounded by people. And every time something happened, George, little Georgie, would lean over and say, Joey, he did that because when they, light, when they carry the candle down, that signifies the light of God. And when they did all the things that the, every little thing, Georgie tries to explain to Joey what it means. And then the, the preacher gets up for the sermon and begins to take off his watch and lay it on the pulpit. And Georgie looks at him and says, that don't mean a thing. Well, folks, Georgie was right. That don't mean a thing. I'm going to talk until I'm done talking, and you're going to sit here and listen to me or get up and leave whenever you feel like it. How's that? We have a deal? All right. Now, the phrase, and I, there, this is a question and answer period. What does God is my co-pilot mean to you? You shouldn't wear bright orange. Drew my eye. Your thoughts and actions are in, in cohesion with a higher being. You're being led by a higher power. Okay. Pardon? Sometimes you don't listen. You're getting ahead of me. Uh, God is my co-pilot? Amy? I know your name, you see. <laughs> God with And we can all say amen and go home? <laughs> okay. First off, if we look up in the dictionary, what does the term co-pilot actually mean? We have the pilot. The pilot is in charge of the plane. The pilot makes all of the necessary decisions until the pilot decides not to make the decisions. At which point, the co-pilot, the second-in-command, takes over. So if God is my co-pilot, then who's in charge? For me to say God is my co-pilot is for me to say I'm in charge. Now, how many people have problems with that statement? That we are each in charge. Raise your hands. I'm serious. 
How many of you are in Well, wait a second. Don't get ahead of me. If we're not in charge, then what does free will stand for? I'm not going to make it easy for you. George Whitfield and John Wesley were very, very good friends. And they fought each other tooth and nail over the idea of predestination and free will. Because John Wesley was a firm proponent that we must make our decisions to follow Christ. And we are not predetermined to any particular place or any particular way, because if so, then we have no free will. We were just, and I'll, I'll use a modern term, we were just automatons set on a course like when I was a teenager, we had uh, slot cars. How many of you remember slot cars? Slot cars went in the rail, sat on a rail. And they went where the rail went. You didn't have a choice. If you, if you went off the rail, you're wrecked. Well, that's, I guess that works for faith, except it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for forgiveness. So, are we the pilot? Is God the co-pilot? Is Jesus Christ the pilot? So let's talk about it. I was born and raised Roman Catholic. At, se at 17, I walked out of the church. At 29, I came back, but I came back as a Methodist. As my wife would say, I upgraded. But in the process of becoming United Methodist, I read John Wesley, and John Wesley believed that we have to make a choice, a choice to follow God, and that we could, contrary to the, the belief of Baptists, Zwigli and his group, we could actually lose our salvation by denying Christ. The Baptists would say, if you ever deny Christ, you never had him in the first place. Because once saved, always saved. Anybody ever heard that one before? Once saved, always saved? Well, it's, no. You can accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And then, in the course of your life, get angry with God. Deny God. Reject God. And in doing so, reject your salvation. It isn't like once you get it, they, they punch a hole through your ticket and you're good to go no matter what else happens. Because if that's the case, then you have, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you have no, no restrictions. You can do whatever you want to do. Or as the one person told me, I like to sin, God likes to forgive. What a great combination. No. So here I am with this thing from Kevin. God is my co-pilot, thinking, oh, this won't be too hard. 
and I began reading all the books, and the deeper I got, the, the, the phrase came to me, the, you know, once you, if you're in a hole, stop digging. Because the more I read, the more confused I got. Because the more I read, the more everything was contradicting what I had previously read. I wanted to be sure I got this right. This was actually written by a guy named Steve Peterson. And I'm going to read you the whole thing. Uh, he wrote this back in 2016. And it's Patterson, excuse me, not Peterson. Patterson. God is my pilot, not my co-pilot. I really didn't think much about it until the pastor mentioned those bumper stickers. That's what got my attention, by the way. Uh, he says, you are saying you don't totally trust God if you say God is not the pilot. You're also saying you're not allowing God to be in charge. But God is not second. God is always first. The word co means mutual, the same, joint or common, uh, according to the dictionary. God is not the same as us. We are not in his image. Um, excuse me. We are in his image, but we're not equal to God, or we are not God-like. Did you, did you know the co-pilot is not in charge? Da, 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 da. So his, his premise is that God is in control. God is the pilot. But I'm sorry. If God is the pilot and I'm the co-pilot, how can I not go where God forces me to go? Pilot denotes airplane. And there's the old joke about if you don't like the way I'm doing it, step outside. And I, so in my mind, now, I went to sem I started seminary back in 1995, graduated in 98, preached for 20 years, and last week my brain is in a turmoil because I'm trying to figure out, is God the pilot, is God the co-pilot, or what the heck did we just crash the plane? And something that happened to me yesterday evening, and it clarified it for me. It, all of a sudden, it crystallized into a pure thought that I beat it up as much as I could, and I couldn't get around it. How many of you have ever used Garmin? Have you ever used Garmin? That app on your phone? Now, as a guy, admitting that I have to ask for directions is heartbreaking. But occasionally I do ask for directions. And I've come to the conclusion God is Garmin. Because tells me where I want to go. Now, in your life, where would you like to go? Does heaven sound good? Does being beside the Jesus Christ in heaven sound like a good place to wind up? That's where I want to be. I want to be around the throne of my loving God, the one who gave his life for me, 
and I need to know how to get there. And I realized that God is my Garmin. So is my Bible. Because it tells me how to get there. And it isn't one mistake and you're done. What happens when you're, you have your Garmin going and there's a detour and you can't turn on, on Egypt Road because somebody wrecked in the middle of Egypt Road and, and, and Trooper. Let me tell you, I've been in that. It's a mess. And they send you any direction they can send you. But in the process of sending you, you go on roads that you've never been on before. And what is the lovely sound that you hear from your Garmin? Say it louder. Recalculating. That's exactly right. When I, who was told, now, again, I'm sorry if too much of this is personal, but it's easier for me to talk about me than it is about you. When I was raised Roman Catholic and I became disenchanted with that faith and the leadership of that denomination, and I got so mad I walked out the door and was separated from my faith, my God, and my church for 17 years, one day I realized there was something missing and I turned around and there stood Jesus Christ saying, I've been here all along. Let me recalculate. Not from where you were, because where you were, you don't want to go back there. From where you are right now, let me get you where you want to go. And I went, thank you, Lord. And I went from being biblically stupid. If you were born and raised Roman Catholic, you'd understand the term. We never read our Bibles. We never heard Bible stories. I was, a, I was a biblical idiot. But I began to attend Sunday school. Next thing I know, I'm helping to teach Sunday school. And then I'm teaching Bible study in my home. And then I come back to Pennsylvania. My very first Sunday back in Pennsylvania, my mother-in-law had signed me up to do the children's message in her home church. Thanks, Mom. Well, the next thing I know, I'm in Sunday school. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm leading Bible study. And then one day, one of the members of the congregation said, Jim, when are you going to go to seminary? And I said, why would I do a stupid fool thing like that? They said, because everyone in this congregation knows that you belong on the other side of the rail. I went, no. He says, and he, we had a conversation and he, he said, you have the GI Bill. You can go to seminary. It's not going to cost you anything. How long can you say no to God? I went, okay, I'll go. And they'll tell me I don't belong here and they'll send me home. Folks, here I am. Because Jesus Christ met me where I was, not where I used to be. Jesus Christ didn't grab me by the nose and drag me because I was opposite enough I would have planted my feet. What Jesus Christ did is Jesus Christ loved me. 
And Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'll show it to you. Not I'll demand you walk it, but I will show it to you. I will open the doors so that you can see everything that I have for you. My favorite, uh, well, two of my favorite uh, scripture verses. One is in Joshua. As for me and my household, we will follow the Lord. Not because he didn't have a choice, but because he made a choice. And the other is from Jeremiah. You do not know the plans I have for you. Yes, I don't. But I'm willing to open myself to be led, not forced. God as pilot bothers me. God as co-pilot bothers me even more. God as Garmin, the voice that is in my head saying, I love you and I want the, what is best for you and I want you to follow me and my teachings Are you willing to accept? And that's the key. The acceptance of God as the direction in our lives, as the message of Jesus Christ, as that which will lead us from where we are to where we want to be, which is the throne of the Almighty. So God is not my co-pilot. God is not my pilot. Matter of fact, I ain't been on a plane in years. But even this morning, as I left Royersburg, I reached down and hit the button to turn the volume on. Because I'd only ever been here once before. I didn't want to get lost. And the first thing I heard was recalculating. Go up to the go up to the uh, light, veer right, get on to 422. And that's what I did. And I read in my Bible how I am supposed to love my neighbor as myself, how I am supposed to be truthful and honest, how I am not supposed to covet, how I am supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and all my mind. I read all these things, and they are the voice in my head that is leading me forward. And that's what I'd like to leave with you today. The idea that it's not about an unwilling soul being taken someplace by a vengeful God. I had my experience with that. One of the priests in the church I grew up with, we, his nickname was Hellfire Halprin. You, you can guess by the, uh, by the uh, nickname he was given that he was just a warm, cuddly soul. But it was... He wanted to not just tell you that God was a vengeful God, God was an all-demanding God, but he also wanted to tell you exactly how to live your life. Well, folks, I can't tell you how to live your life. What do you do for a living? 
medical billing. Folks, when it comes to numbers, I am hopeless. I could get her office messed up half a day guaranteed. And what did you do, sir? Medicine. Doctor? All right. I was a respiratory therapist in the Army. <laughs> but, but the thing is, we each have our own way of responding to the message of God's love and how we're to act to spread that message, that love to others. One of the most loving Christians I've ever met was an auto mechanic. And he said, he said, you know what my job is? He said, my job is to fix cars. He says, and I, I charge a fair price to do fair work. He said, he said, I have never padded a bill or faked a, 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 an overview when I was looking at a car because my kids needed new shoes. He says, he says, what else can I do? And I said, Bob, you don't need to do a thing. You are loving God just like you're supposed to. You can love God. There's a lady in Chicago. Had a friend in the hospital. Had a cholecystectomy. Had her gallbladder removed. Back before the days of the microsurgeries, the question was, how big is the scar going to be? Was, the answer was always, how big are your surgeon's hands? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Well, but she went in to visit her friend and she's got this couple of inch worth of scar and while she was there, the, the, her, the patient went, <coughs> anybody have abdominal surgery where you had to cough? It is a painful thing. And the, the, the lady reached over and grabbed this huge bed pillow that she tried to splint with. <coughs> Didn't work. It was too big, couldn't get the pressure in the right place. Lady went back home, took a couple of scraps of cloth, zipped up a heart, stuffed it full of fiberfill, closed it up, and brought it into her, her friend, the patient. Here, use this. Put it right over where it needed to be, put her arm across it, and went, <coughs> oh, that felt much better. Patient in the bed next door said, can I get one? The last, the, now this was 15 plus years ago, but back then, the last I'd heard, they'd made something like 27,000 that they distributed to any, to any group that wanted. A whole bunch of ladies got together and said, we'll help, we'll help, we'll help. She heard a voice in her head that said, reach out to this person, your friend in need, and she figured out what talents she had to respond in Christ's love, and in the process, she changed how many lives? What can you do? What, what, is, the, what is the garment in your head saying you need to do to get you to heaven? Well, eventually, when I finished listening... I wound up in seminary. 
three and a half years. And I graduated and I bounced around through five different Methodist churches before I retired. And in each of them, I tried to be as honest and as down to earth and as little ivory tower as I knew how to be because that, that wasn't the voice in my head. The Jesus I had in my head was my best friend. And he says, you don't have to genuflect every time you see me. He says, but if you see me pushing a car, help. If you see me toting a load, help. If you see me where I, you need to, there's a woman who has a child that needs help. Bend down and smile and see if you can't help. Catch that dog. Cook that meal. Bake that pie. Fix that car. Heal that patient. Teach that child. How does the voice in your head lead you to where you need to be? Some people will use the phrase, God is my co-pilot, meaning we're in this together, and we are. Some people will say, no, God is the pilot. God is in charge. God is in charge, yes, but I don't like the term pilot because that means I have no choice. I'm just on the plane riding around. In my car, in my life, God is my Garmin. The voice of love that back when I was 27, 28, 29 years old, reached into my heart and said, I'm what you're looking for. Come with me. Because did that, isn't that what Jesus always said? He didn't say, get in line. He said, follow me. Your choice. Follow me. The rich man who had too many possessions when Jesus said, give up all your possessions and follow me, turned away because he could not follow. Follow Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for you so that you might have salvation. Know that salvation, his salvation, will get you where you want to go. If where you're going does, or let me rephrase that. If the directions you're following will not get you where you want to go, maybe you're following the wrong directions. I once kiddingly told a uh, congregation in El Paso, Texas. Folks, you want directions to my house in, in Miami? I gave them five turns and they would have been at my front door. Five turns. 2,347 miles. They weren't going to get there overnight but they could get there by making five separate turns. My Garmin this morning 
led me right to this, to, to this door. And when I get back in my car, my Garmin will take me home. And when I open my Bible tonight, my Jesus will instruct me on how I can make it home. And that's what I wanted to leave you with today. The, the phrase is, God is my co-pilot. If it works for you, good. If you want to believe God is your pilot, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. All I'm saying is that my God is my Garmin. The voice in my head that tells me I love you. I would and I have given my all for you. Come home. And that's the best button on a garment. Go home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we be open to the message of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we hear him clearly that we are children being called home. And may we walk the path willingly, lightly, and with purpose. And may our home in heaven bless us and the path we travel. We ask all of this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.